That's it. That's as much of it. That's as I don't think it gets much more nitty gritty than that. Yeah, it never does. They don't. They Piece don't, of shit. They don't do a ton on their intro. Sounds you know? like a bad podcast to me. I didn't realize that you were just <laughs> producing dump out your mouth today. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a dump mouth day. Oh yeah, no, I got a bad case of dump mouth today. <laughs> oh man, a little dump soup down there. Mm. Passing out dump tickets. Listen up, y'all. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast where every week we, the four of us, sometimes the three of us, sometimes more of us, get a bunch of books from a comic book distributor. And we take all those books and we sort them <laughs> and we put them in people's files. These are people who have requested these books ahead of time. We're not forcing books into files. Sometimes we do a little forcing, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> We can edit that out, Braden. Don't worry. You still have a PC one in the group. Uh, so he we, went white. We force a bunch of books into people's files, and we take the books that we don't... Oh, you didn't sign up for this one? Are you sure? I think you should get it anyway. Yeah, well, no, it says we, here on the screen you did. We're, we're all pushermen here, and um, the the books that we don't push onto our, our loyal, lovely subscribers, we, we hungrily, greedily take home to read for ourselves, and then we come back here on a fine Wednesday evening and we discuss those books and we talk about what we liked about them, what we didn't like about them, what we wished about them, and we give them like some ratings, we uh, we spoil them. And I have heard some feedback, those ratings better be on a 1 to fucking 10 scale with .5 decimals oh, because God. we are 76 <laughs> issues in, episodes in, and if you switch to a 1.5, there's going to be blood in the streets. This oh, is how gosh. Eric Larson feels right now. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> poor guy with all of his sex dragon. Oh, gosh. I think, yeah, that's, that's, you, that's most of what we talk about. Sometimes we get into some comings and goings. There's some haikus here and there, but... Uh, oh, did you guys write any... I've always got a haiku. I can always crank one out by... I, end, I, so, I barely so. had time to read my comics. No haikus. I'm not going to do one. Fine. I like yours generally, though. I know I'm Mr. Reliable when it comes to haikus, but not going to do it. I'm Brayden, and I'm the <laughs> champion of pinball. <laughs> I'm Jeff. I'm Django, and... Uh, I'm the champion of the shadow pinball. I'm I'm Roman and I'm I'm the champion of uh, Dragon's Lair pinball. Okay. We are Well we are. Listen, there's gonna be a lot of spoilers in this podcast. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, you should read your books first. Uh, she what does those not show up in Detective are, Comics this week, though. Are Captain America 700, Crude number one, Exiles number one, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 31, Gideon Falls number two, Domino number one, Detective Comics 978, and Thanos 18. Maybe some of those are gonna fall out. Maybe there's gonna be extra things. I don't know, but I think tension and mystery is an important component of this podcast, and here we are. I like leaving nothing to mystery. I like that. That's about why I record you. this shirtless. It's I'm looking at your belly right now, and it's... I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe I left that shirt here and you inherited it. That's all hair, buddy. Oh, never mind. 
Oh, God. I can't believe I left all of my hair. <laughs> made a shirt I out can't of believe it. he always glues it to him when I'm gone. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just got to put something that belongs somewhere back where it is so that you can take it off again. Is that Jeffrey X again? Are you bringing it back to my original sure. wrestling persona? Sure. For, for something. Django. Jeff. Captain America 700 was your P.O. the week. <clears throat> yeah. It was. Have you been reading this series? No, this is the first yeah, Captain did. America book I've read uh, since Captain America so White. So why did you read this one? Because uh, it's a 700th issue. And so Marvel got you. Generally, I yeah. like Mark Wade and I like Chris Samney. Um, I it's read, okay. You can admit it. You've, you've been got. I've been got. I've been got. And I got got good. I like this book a lot. You've been america Um So according to the, the previously on text... This is set far in the future, 2025. 17, yeah. Yeah. 16 years. Something. I don't know. It's 2025, and Cap's in the middle of this war trying to take back America from this bad guy. And it just follows like this this long, I don't know, it's like two or three or four years of him battling and finally getting to a point where he realizes he's lost. He goes back in time uh, as a kind of a last resort to uh, stop the bad guy from freezing Captain America in the water and taking over the, the country. And so Cap shows up just in time to basically do that. And in the end, he sacrifices himself to stop the, the nuclear missile or the, the germ missile that the guy's sending. And uh, then the Captain America that the dude had frozen comes up out of the water. And I just... I thought it was great because you got like <clears throat> you got a dystopian future. You got Captain America, the superhero, hanging out with all these fallen heroes. You got supervillains. You got time travel. You got like the ultimate sacrifice from a legendary character, and seven panels later, his resurrection. Like he never died after all. And it resets the timeline. It's like the most comic book, comic book thing I think I've read in ages. Man, time travel, like, in the last, like, four years, or, like, three years particularly, like, time travel has been such a component of storytelling. Marvel and DC primarily. It's sort of yeah. like, they're like, man, I don't know what to do with this reality we've created. Let's go back and bring people to the forward or go back and change things. It seems to be a sort of in vogue yeah. thing right now. We've got three books this week that involve time travel. But yeah. it's not super common that you're able to like really succinctly tie it up with a bow real nice. And I feel like when you're reading time travel stories, there's always several, you know, theories of time travel that go into it. Like, are you creating multiple realities? Can you go back to yours? Are you going back and changing something so yours is immediately gone? Or... And this was just like, fuck it. This is the story. This is a story about Captain America, not all this other stuff that happens well, and, in the future, and maybe. It's, just, it's perfect. Like, it's you're over. here. It's like, it's like <clears throat> Harry Potter, Prisoner of Caban, Azkaban, perfect. Yeah. It's like Hermione's got the time turner. They go on a big adventure, and they come back right before that Hermione left and take their spot in that reality. And mm -hmm. like, mwah, Italian meatball kiss. That was <laughs> some effective time travel storytelling. Yeah, and the art is great. And then the second part of the book is, uh, I don't know exactly how it worked, but it's uh, Kirby art with Mark Wade writing it. And it has maybe my favorite panel this month. Mm. Just like this weirdly symmetrical, like perfectly balanced picture of Cap running with his shield. Um, I actually took a picture of that last night and then chickened out 
posting it because technically we're not allowed to put anything up until release time. I should have. Hey, Jeff, look how perfect Captain America looks. I should have. Colored Jack Kirby's work colored by Somni. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It is. I really love the panel, classic Kirby panel, this extreme close-up of the Red Skull's nose hole in his eyes. (laughs) Somebody was telling me that one of the reasons Kirby drew like that like super zoomed in and cropped was to save time because he was drawing so fast. <laughs> and they're like, hey, we need another 30 pages out of you. And he was like, well, I guess it's all just going to be eyeballs this time. <laughs> We're going to crop people's heads weird. Yeah. I would say that the, the five-panel page or four-panel page of Captain America being sent back in time from his future, it's like a black page and it's divided into five horizontal panels, one on top of each other. And it's an overall just shot of Cap, but each of those five panels he blurs more progressively, but it also mm-hmm. clearly shows like the white light spectrum breaking up into different colors. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, you can show people traveling through time a lot of different ways, and I think that perfectly encapsulated the idea of somebody sort of being smeared out. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, and it, like the... I don't usually fall for ultra-sentimental rah-rah-rah America like superhero saves the day because of course he's going to save the day, right? Like it's Captain America in his 700th issue. It's probably not going to end in his death. But he also did die in it, which is He awesome. did die and and by the end of this story, I like I actually literally had chills reading this story and it was like it's not a story I've been following. I don't even know how many issues they took to set this up. But not a whole lot. 798, 99 and 800. Okay. That's 698.99. That sounds like the perfect amount of issues for something like that. And and honestly, just being thrown into this, I was 100% happy with what I got from just this comic. So I'm going to give it a 9.5. Fuck. Yeah. I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a motorcycle 9. <laughs> nin, 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 an 8.5 nin, nin. or a 9. Mm. Is that German for a no? Dama no. 8.5 or 9. Yeah. The spreadsheet's got a no. 8.5. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Please make a note, Phil Satile. Phil Satile, make the note. Put it in the chart. So Roman, what was your score for it? Well, for the up. for the backup, I'll I'll give that I'll give that a ten. Oh, it's Kirby! It's Kirby! Cap! Oh. Big weird Kirby guns! <laughs> Get your giant foot off me! <laughs> yeah, and I I think that's the last uh, Captain America with Chris Omni on it too. Is it? I don't Tom know. Coates is taking over the book. Yeah, and but I don't I think, know when that starts. I think that's a ways off still. But. I think that's the Fourth of July event that starts. Hmm. Um, so that. That comic kind of sets us up for a lot of the other stuff that we're going to be talking about because it's got time travel and it's got, like, threats to America. And uh, speaking of threats to America, Crude is about Russians, right? Uh Uh-huh. What are you trying to say? Well, just that Crude and uh, The Dead Hand, which is the only book I'm going to be able to buckshot today, are both focused on, like, Russian bad guys. Braden, pick of the week. <laughs> yeah, um, Crude was really good. I thought um, Steve Orlando, Gary Brown, and Lee Luridge. Lee Luridge. It's. Uh, I read the Ashcan copy that Diamond sent us or Image sent us like a while back, and I liked it. And then I read this again, and I liked it even more with color and bigger pages. 
Um, so sorry, the sorry, is Django. Like, the ash can is like distilled down. It's it's doing a really impressive job of putting a big thing in a Listen, small. Listen, I'm thing. not going to Ashcon this year. <laughs> I mean, he needs you there. We, we are the only people that are committed to going. I know. I, 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 I was, I'm billed as a guest of honor and all that, but I just... Yeah, I bought your tickets already. You've got panels, bro. I know, but... Little tiny panels. Colors are so good. <laughs> <laughs> Little... <laughs> Three-quarter size panels. Yeah. In Russia, whole comic fit in eight pages made of ash. <laughs> so... Xenophobia. <laughs> <laughs> so crude is about... Um, a man and his family, and he was a hitman for, I don't know, the government or whatever Russian powers that were during the Cold War, and he hides this, uh, not from his wife, but from his son, who's growing up during all this, and he's he always just tells him, oh, I'm an insurance salesman, and like, his entire son's life, uh, he thinks his dad's just been selling insurance and being boring and living in this sh- shitty town. His son, who is uh, bisexual and frustrated that he can't be openly bisexual in Russia, is wanting to leave when, when he gets older, and uh, he wants to go to this, like, work, this, like, island that's, like, maybe even, like, an artificial island, but, like, this basically, it's just a straight-up work camp where, like, people don't care about who you are or what you can do, it's, like, as long as you can work. Like you'll get make a lot of money there, and so he he runs off to this place, and he ends up getting killed, and his dad finds out about it and feels shitty that he and his son were both hiding things from each other, never got to like be open about that, and he now he's going to the island under the guise of wanting to work there to find out who killed his son, and it's just and it's kind of a like a sci-fi oil rig island, right? Yeah, almost. That's that's what I'm assuming it is, and that's why it's called crude. I don't know how sci-fi. It's going to be, but it... Well, they have satellite television, at least. There's a big there's old like dish on there. There's, cones and stuff. There's cones. I mean, there's a there's a roof shaped like a satellite dish. I don't know if it's an actual satellite dish. But, uh, no, it really, it's, it struck a lot of chords with me, like, on my own relationship with my dad and, like, the kind of blame you place on yourself and the other person and that kind of relationship. And I just, that resonated with me really well. And there was a lot of... I thought the story was told very well in terms of how it flashed back and forth. Um, and there's like a really great scene where it's showing uh, the dad doing some kind of hit on some guys and like he like bites this guy's neck out and yeah. then like and he's got blood on his mouth as he's walking away and then the very next panel on the next page is his son with like jam on his mouth from like the breakfast he's eating. And it's, uh, it's I thought I, I thought it was very good. I liked it. I read it. Yeah. I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious not to cut you off. What what were your feelings? I saw you read it as well. I'm just curious. I I, I was confused. (laughs) Um, Jing, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's my overall group vibe. I mean, I guess one of the things, because, I mean, mean, all Russians have, like, 15 names or something, it seems like. And I didn't realize until almost the very end of the story that, the guy that the bisexual guy that got killed, I thought him and the main character were brothers. I didn't realize That's one was the too. other one's son until I think at the funeral. <laughs> so I was a little confused. Really? Yeah. How yeah. Did you get there? I, I was a bit confused. I think I think I don't know. I think it was the art. I mean. And that's the way they were initially speaking like, to each other. I thought they were brothers. Not enough of an age difference when he was like a kid? 
Well, like, I didn't notice that it was 15 years ago. 15 yeah. years like in two days. I, yeah. missed, I missed one of the first words in the comic, and that, <laughs> that threw me off. And then, yeah, like, the, the art is sketchy and liney enough that when you see them both as adults, they don't necessarily look like totally different people. So if you're not tracking the timeline real close, mm. it, it kind of blurs together. I still I enjoyed the character work. I just never, on my first read, I didn't. I didn't feel like I knew what was exactly going on. Hearing you explain it and flipping through what you did, I, I'm I'm caught up. And that said, I liked it enough to probably read the next one because yeah. I, I like this kind of mystery. It's kind of the setup is kind of like uh, oh Southern Cross, mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. image space book where the girl's sister disappears and she goes to space to look for her on a on a ship. Yeah, I would give it a nine out of ten. I. I like it a lot, and I think I think people don't like Steve Orlando that much for some reason. But like his DC work is pretty. I read I read this and I liked it, and like I went back and read the first volume of Tra- JLA a little while ago, mm-hmm. and it wasn't bad. Yeah. Like I don't think it was great, but it's kind of how I feel about most of his stuff. I I'd give this a six and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said. By the time we get done with the first arc, I could see, given the series, a much higher score. Like, it's it's got all the elements that I like. I just was lost, mm. and that's kind of how I felt with the second Batman Shadow mm. story too. Was he's he's telling stories in a way that I don't glom onto real quick, mm. and I feel a little dumb. Roman, oh, I'll give it a six. <clears throat> I just realized the logo is that's an oil drop, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was something else. I'll give it, I read... What did you think it was? It looks phallic to me. Yeah. <laughs> I read uh, the first, like, two-thirds and then just was not into it and dipped out. I yeah. gave it a 5.5. You didn't have to. I wanted to. I like reading books. I like checking things out, but um, I didn't really care for the art. I, I loved, like, bisexual swinger dude. I love I love guy hanging out with a married couple. Um, but... Yeah, the the art. I'm also not a dude who loves to read books about father issues. Yeah. Listen, you guys, let's just let's just take a side step. Let's let's venture from the world of serious Russian hitmen into another reality. A side step. Into another reality. Oh, we're gonna talk about sideways. No, we're sidestepping into <laughs> a little reality, like in Exiles, which is what they do. Yeah, I just wanted to mess you up. <laughs> Exiles, just so we're clear. Roman is a man who has no respect for segues. X-Files. Um, he no. just drives around real fast until they burst into flames. <laughs> um, Exiles number one by Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez. Uh, Jordi Belair on colors. No. Yeah, and I know... Um... Django was pretty disappointed in this issue because we did not get to see Chibi Wolverine show up. I think we're all pretty <laughs> excited to see Chibi Wolverine. I think mm-hmm. that's sort of why we're all here. I mean, that's why I signed up. Did you guys see that? Okay, so the cover has all the main characters mm-hmm, who are presumably mm-hmm. going to show up. And then you open to the first page, and it's just the main character and then question marks for everybody else. <laughs> who like, could they be? Who is this going to be? You guys are telling this joke backwards. <laughs> <laughs> To get to the other side, why no, did the chicken cross the road? It's uh, it's just you know, I'm sure next time it'll have the two who who have joined up in this one, Iron Lad and uh, Khan. We'll put a goddamn question mark on them. We know who they are. I would say even more strange is that you open up to the first page and it's just <clears throat> Nick Fury on the wall uh, as the unseen and you know young Nick Fury talking to himself. And I was 
immediately drawn in by that. But basically, yeah. I haven't read the original Exiles, but there is a character named Blink who's got a thing, and she and it has an agenda, and it's collecting a team to save reality <laughs> itself. It's connected to the beginning of you know the Marvel reality. Sure. Yeah, yeah like, the what if realms and stuff. Sure. I guess. Yeah, it, basically, uh, it's a thing that's recruiting a crew to save reality and all of its parallel, really, you know, metaphorical extensions. And uh, and it sounds like Blink knew that thing before, and it channeled her, and then it starts sending her to different worlds at different times to collect a crew of people because uh, timelines and realities are disappearing. And spoilers at the end, what is devouring them is a giant dead Galactus head. So I love that. Yeah. Sold. Plus, plus her device. What is it? The tesseract. The the the, the, the cube. The thing. The, 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 the talus. The yeah, talus. The, the who. The hoo. It's, it, it's got it's got a chunk of the McCran crystal in it, which I thought was cool. Sure. Yeah. That's from old X Men comics. Yeah, I knew what that was. Yeah. You dirty liar. <laughs> I know I know what the McCrane Crystal is. Oh, did you? Yeah. But I really like this guy's art. He did that She-Hulk run with Charles Soule a couple years ago. Oh. It's like real poppy yeah. um, and flat colors. And I, I really like his work. Um, one thing I really liked in this was... Uh, when realities were getting destroyed or eaten, the panels of a page sort of collapsed in on themselves and were falling apart. Um, real nitpicky complaint. I think they really, really uh, missed an opportunity by not having nine panels disappearing and then oh, being rebuilt. Yeah. Instead, they chose like, you know, 11 or something, <clears throat> and it's like you would have been referencing comic books mm-hmm. as a medium if you had nine panels collapsing. Well, listen, everybody's doing the nine-panel yeah. thing right now. It's you know. I know, but if you're using com- using comics to show comic books dissolving, how then much, show the staple of the comic book dissolving. How much do you think uh, Saladin Ahmed is doing the, uh, like, paneling stuff, like... Um, do writers do most of that legwork, or is that more on the art? It's always a really sort of depends. combined relationship, like, but that's the kind of thing that a writer would have specified, maybe, or an artist would. Maybe have he done doesn't care about the nine panel grid as much because he's new to comics. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he didn't do it. I'm just saying, I think that's it would have been a really cool meta missed opportunity. Sure. So, on the whole, I like this comic. Yeah, I really liked um, the Ms. Marvel. Don't old, call her old Ms. Marvel. Old old man Ms. Con, Marvel. Con. Um and I liked I liked the way that people disappeared. It's like the never ending story sort of. Yeah, the nothing's uh, coming. Yeah, I dug the the look of the Galactus head. I don't have the Galactus yeah. fetish that Jeff does. I but. do have it. Yeah, I don't know how you work with us and don't have it. Um I didn't <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I don't like Marvel having a multiverse. I think they need a different name, and I, I feel like they're just they're just sticking like they're well, using the dictionary to stick it to DC every a di- time. They a different do name it. would be nice, but like it kind of sucks that DC got to it first and like. Well, but they did, and they a, they did a long time ago. I mean, I think it's a thing that existed before Marvel or DC. Yeah, like it definitely oh, yeah. Did. yeah, it came and, came from like pulp sci-fi. And Marvel has gone as far to do things like the Omniverse, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. expands beyond it. So they, I mean, I think. I think it's actually kind of cool that they both exist within the multiverse because it's this silent agreement that maybe we are agreeing to exist, like coexist. Like between the two, like yeah, like they're, they're both from the multiverse, and if we look hard enough and sideways and across enough lines, we'll find the DC reality. Um, I think uh, that's. Pretty I'll cool. allow it from that perspective, but it it takes me out of the comic. When I see the word multiverse in a Marvel comic, I I start thinking about DC. Uh, I give Exiles uh, eight, an eight. Okay. 
I like the art quite a bit, and I like the story a good amount, and it never felt like a chore to be reading, and I'm, I do want to read the next one. There are parts that I care a lot about that I want to see what's going on, and that's enough to carry me through not really caring about any of the characters. It wasn't that late on the text either, and it still felt no, it he- not much like a chore. I no, and, and to me, like again, it always comes down to, like, is the text balancing interesting images? And when it's just two people sitting in a room talking, I don't like a lot of text, but if it's like... Like, the double-page spreads of the unseen, mm-hmm. the, there's a lot of text, but the paneling is brilliant comic booking. The way that it leads you through the page, because there's a question of, do I go top left to top right and treat the entire double-page as a thing, or, and the, the way that the text and the lettering was laid out, is it guided you through there as an image? And it's just like, that's an interesting usage of text, and it shows that the people doing it know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're you know, maximizing the way that you can tell stories, and they're answering the inherent questions of a double-page spread in doing it. And that is pretty impressive to me. So, so yeah. there was a lot of text, but it came in such a way uh, that it was always around interesting information, so it was never a chore to get through. Yeah, that opening double-page spread, that totally sucked me in. I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> the light on that spread is amazing, mm-hmm. too. Like He's got a really good handle on, yeah. on the way light works. Yeah. And at the end of it, I look back, I was like, wait, that's a face. That's actually eating. Mm-hmm. I know, right? <laughs> I did the same thing. It's Galactus from the Fantastic Four movie. It is. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, if there weren't some panels and colors in here that I really liked, it would probably be a six. Um, it's, a, it's a little, I don't know, a little goofy. It's a little teeny. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very safe comic, um, but man, that Ms. Marvel, that con in, in the in the, in the middle there, and the the last panel and the nothing and the the art on the moon, I like that quite a bit. I'm liking these uh, various future Kamala cons we're getting. She shows up in uh, All New Wolverine as well as the future mm. president yeah. of the United States. Mm. Which is like, this is very different from that, and I like it. Huh. I like both of them. Yeah, I'll give it an eight. This is a lot of fun to read. I also give it an eight. I also think it was a lot of fun to read. Ocho's. The Ocho. Ocho Files. Brayden Roman, can you guys talk to me a little bit about a sad state of affairs? Yeah, I guess. I don't know where my copy went. Oh, you took it. You mean Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 31? Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 31, written by Ryan North. Uh, drawn by Erica Henderson and colored by Rico Renzi. This is the final issue drawn by Erica Henderson, although she's still going to be doing covers. Um, And that's a real bummer. It is, though she did say in the back, the final issue, um, for the foreseeable future. So maybe maybe she'll come back at some point, maybe? I doubt it. She's working on other stuff for now, at least. At least a couple other projects, sounds like. She but. did that Marvel beats up the... Mar- or Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe yeah. original graphic novel while still doing a monthly Squirrel Girl book. Yeah. I would not be surprised if she does something like that again because hmm. Squirrel Girl, since she's been on board, has ri- like risen in terms of like popular culture importance drastically. Yeah. Absolutely. And she's been like... I think just as uh, vital a part of this story is as Ryan North has been. And it's really sad to see her go, but I'm excited she's going to be doing other stuff. And Derek Charm is going to be taking over the next arc at the very least. And he's worked with at least one of them before and kind of knows them. And I think he's got a fairly similar style to Erica's that I think is going to be acceptable. But 
So she's leaving, but Ryan North is sticking around. Yeah, at That's least good. at least for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I am. I'm bummed that a book like this that has been so like inspiring for a lot of young women and girls is not going to have any women working on it anymore. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'm. I understand Erica leaving, but it's a bummer. And did it warm the cockles of your heart? How was the issue? The issue itself was was very good. It was a one shot where Squirrel Girl and her friends they go to stop a crime guy who's not even like an established villain, just doing stuff, and he gets a hold of some random Stark tech or whatever that like sends Squirrel Girl and her roommate Nancy into hyper time. They call it where like. That's a classic DC Marvel thing. Sure. Yeah. And they're so they're moving like so fast that it's like imperceptible to everyone else and they're like everything else is going super slow for them. So they just like spend the weekend like f- fixing crimes before they happen <laughs> and like doing all these things and like they take up painting and like on their evenings they're working on a machine to try and like get them back but like the the issue covers them like they're aging like they're they're spending like years and years while like a couple days is passing like in real time and they're like every time it cuts back to them after going back to the normal time they're like a little older and like by the end they're like they both got like white hair and stuff and like they take up painting so they can, like, try to, like, have, like, because it's a good way to, like, communicate with the past. So, like, they can paint how they look now and, like, leave it on the wall for, like, the future. And, like, they'll see it eventually. They're, like, writing notes to their friends that they'll see, like, a week ahead after they write it and stuff. It's it's a lot of really cool, fun, time travel stuff. And they spend a lot of time together and they, like build their relationship and their friendship and it's really beautiful to watch and they kind of end it and by the end of it they realize to go back to their original selves they're going to like forget everything that happened because their their bodies and minds and brains are going to be like replaced like back to their where they were before they leaped because that's how the machine's going to work this sounds like captain america 700 in some ways yeah Yeah. it's uh it's fairly similar but they've still got all these paintings and stuff from the future of how they were and it's it's really good and it's still really funny like there's people who like because they they put a big old banner like up on a bridge it's like hey we're taking care of all the crime in new york for the weekend so you know don't worry about it in school and so like people start like free jumping off of like skyscrapers because they know they'll be rescued and stuff <laughs> and people like this woman like just takes a nap in her car and like puts a note on her face that says like hey can you please drive me to work i need to be there in like 15 minutes or something <laughs> Roman, what did you think it really was a lot of fun the time travel stuff like when uh squirrel girl and nancy figure out that okay uh time is passing so slowly from our perspective we can see things about to happen they can see car wrecks about to happen and they're so sped up they're able to like get in turn the wheel slightly, you know, put this person over here on the sidewalk so nothing happens. And at point, one point there's, and they're doing this going around, like Nancy says, one point, well, I'll come back next month. And if the cat has jumped out of the little boy's arms into traffic, I'll be able to see the claws start to flex and I'll just, you know, put the kitty on the ground so it won't freak out. <laughs> and there's all these little bits. And, I'll, and since things so sped up, like Braden said, they take up painting, they're, they're spent... They spend every night like reading a good book. 
What do you guys give it? Ooh, I'll give this one. I, I think I'll give this. Oh, oh it's so touching. I'll give this a 9.5. Mm-hmm. Wow. I really hope, and I don't know if this is the writer's shtick or not. I guess it's his shtick. I really hope maybe now this will get, after this issue, we'll get rid of this tiny print at the bottom of each page because I hate it. I, I doubt it. I don't think so. I know. That's he what made the, it in all his books. That's what, yeah, that's what made the graphic novel so hard to read. Cause I, I really like them because they're funny and they're like webcomic alt text, which is, I think, why he does it. But yeah. also, mm-hmm. they are he funny. Does, they're just so hard to read. He does lay off it like in like the emotional scenes yeah. like, when they start having a real conversation. It's gone for like three or four pages, which I thought was. Yeah, I'm always relieved when I hit those pages. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he, he's not like always beating you over the head with it. But. Yeah. No, I I would give it a ten. I think it's uh, it was a fantastic issue for Erica to go out on, um, and it just about made me cry. And Brandon, when was the last book you cried in? I can't remember. I, I teared up in this one. I I read something. I've mostly been watching uh, Better Call Saul season three, and that's mm. been making me cry a lot. So, so good. God, yeah. Um, let's talk about fear tears as a construct. Django, huh? I remember when you read Gideon Falls number one, you jumped out of fear. What was your relationship with number two? I'm starting to get really scared that maybe you didn't read it. I didn't read it. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, okay I, won't, I don't want to Fuck. say anything. I haven't been in a dark room to read it since... Uh, okay, well, let's, you know, let's dance around this. I, I can go throw a piss if you guys want to... Wow, could you go to the restroom real quick? I'm going to go throw a piss. Can you, you uh, not throw a dirty <laughs> can froth? You, can you just go to the restroom? Can you not of... make a froth spit right now? Can you? Can we stop? I'm gonna... can we just... Listen, you guys talk about Gideon Falls. I'm going to I don't want make some waterfalls. I... All right, so we're, we're doing this thing. Django's gone, and that's great. God. Um, really <laughs> nice to be with you two boys on our three-man <laughs> podcast again. Oh, the wine is flowing through Django's urethra. <laughs> no. Um, dude, so did, wait, Roman, are you reading Gideon Falls? I am, but I haven't read this Spook one. Spookfest book? Oh, you haven't read it either. Go take know. a pee. I don't need to. <laughs> I'm not worried too much about, yeah, spoilers for Roman. Yeah. Uh, Braden, what did you think of this? Um, I thought it was good. Um, I, th- I like the first one a little more. I'm still not uh, connecting with any of these characters yet, but uh, I do. There's some really good full-page spreads in this. Yeah, I really dig the really art in got, it. Um, like this... The, 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 the black barn like yeah. shot was it's so good and it's like it almost looks like it's I can't tell if it's like black with black or it's Paint it's a red it's with dark. black yeah. being scribbled on it or red with or like the opposite because you just look so close and it's just like clearly scribbled all over but so uh, this is by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino um, we all liked issue number one quite a bit I really like number two as well I, I think that I really like both of the the main characters, the the male and female. Um, I think that he pay, he portrays obsessive. You mean the thoughts? The doctor? Yeah, the male and female. Okay. Maybe it's a boy. I don't know. Not the uh, okay. I, I, I thought, I mean I thought the not, priest was not the, main the priest, well. but uh, I think that this is the main story. But um, yeah, uh, the priest stuff is fine. Um, but yeah, I he didn't do like, a whole lot this issue. So. No, I particularly like the uh, the mental illness. You know, like. I, th- I think that they're depicting it pretty well, uh, like yeah. obsessive thoughts that you can't quite flush out in the way that he brings it up. Mm-hmm. And he could have maybe gone gone past it, but the fact that they're having a conversation uh, is causing him to dwell on those thoughts. And then uh, the other thing that I really, really liked, aside from the art, like a weird horizontal page flipped vertically. Oh, yeah, it was um, cool. 
But I really liked that the female doctor sees the black barn at the end of this issue. And I yeah. think that a lot of things would have drug out that, like, is he crazy? Is he not crazy? Did they see this? Can it, and, like, I feel like even in Killer Be Killed, which is a book I really re like and I'm behind on, I think that they drag out this question of, like, crazy, not crazy? Does this person trust him, not trust him? Uh, for longer than I would like. I mean, he's still in a straitjacket by, like, issue 16 or whatever that last one Yeah. Was. And for this, I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, I, I don't necessarily want several issues of somebody not trusting him only to then find out they were wrong. Like, bam, mm -hmm. just give me mm -hmm. it in one issue. Um, so, yeah, I think the pacing in this is, is really, really nice. Uh, in my brain, I just keep thinking of it as, like, a much higher quality version of Robert Kirkman's Outcast, mm. um, which it is a much different story, but uh, the the characters and you got the priests in there and everybody's morally ambiguous and it, it just it's a it's a good spooky book and i think jango's gonna enjoy it yeah i didn't read any of the uh of outcast but this this is cool and i i think jango will like this i don't think he's gonna get jump scared like he did the first one no which is I, a little disappointing but but um yeah i give this one uh i give this one an eight maybe an 8.5 oh i need to fill Phil, I give this Phil, I give this one an eight. Uh, six point five. Okay. Um, I'm liking it, but I'm not quite sucked in yet. Spoilers, guys, come on. Spoilers. I know a lot about that book just based on your scores. There's a jump scare on every single page. You're gonna hate it. <laughs> um, listen, I think that we should build Roman's excitement for his Gail Simone written Plastic Man series by previewing a little bit of Gail, Gail Simone's uh, Domino series. Number one, Rome Daddy Papa Dog Smurf Master 5000. What did you think of this? By Gail Simone, David Baldion, and Jesus Abertoff. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was kind of fun. It wasn't as much fun as, uh, say, Exiles. But for a character I know nothing about and that I didn't care about, this was a good read. I kind of, I like the art. Um, did we say who the art is? David Baldeon? I did, yeah. Um, I'm not familiar with her at all. Don't know her origins. She used to hang out with... She's a mercenary, I guess. She worked for Cable. She's one did of, she? She's like the mercenary. The mercenary. And Deadpool. Yeah. I, I the girl? Oh, sorry. I'm talking about Domino still. Were you talking about her buddy Topaz? No. No, that's the villain. No, I was um, talking about Domino. No. Oh, sorry. I was, talking, I, was talking about, I was talking about Domino. Okay, sorry. I don't What's know. her buddy's name? I don't know, cowboy hat girl. Cowboy hat girl Django's in love with. And she's like half naked no. in the rain. No. I don't know who she is either. At least I've heard of Domino. I don't know who this other one is at all. But, uh, you know, things happen. There's apparently there's this. Is this another Russian? There's a Russian assassin coming after her? Yeah. Am I, it's it, more Russian. Yeah. It's another Russian. The Ruskies are the new villains. Yeah. The new old villains. Inez Temple, a.k.a. Outlaw, a.k.a. Crazy Inez. No. Ah. But, but don't call her that. Dazzler's in it. Some X-Men are in it. Um, Dazzler's in it. Yeah, Dazzler, that's Big awesome. Big fan of, like, punk rock Dazzler S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. <clears throat> yeah. Dazzler's getting her own series. And Uncanny oh, X-Men is? is what it was that we were talking about the other day, that she's been being punk rock S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. agent then. Um, um, Brayden, what did you think of this? I'm curious. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't care too much for the art. Um, but there were some cool... It's cool. So I, I kind of I've always kind of liked the character of Domino, even though I've never read that much about her. Um, but the whole kind of luck aspect of her powers, I thought a fun thing to play with. She even makes a long shot joke in here, right? Yeah, she does. Um, 
And this is uh, what, Gail Simone, David Baldeon, and Jesus Alberto. That's the third time we've done the credits. <laughs> but uh, Clayton, Clayton Cowles does the lettering, and at one point she's uh, she's like flipped over and like has both her guns out, and she's shooting at someone, and the, the blam, blam sound effects are upside down because she's shooting upside down. I thought That's that was, cool. That was really yeah. cool. Um, I really like the colors in this. I really liked the art in this also. I did too. Um, but it was very sexy. Who did the art? David Baldion. <laughs> Gail uh, Simone put the words in there. Um, I really, really didn't like the dialogue in from from the cowboy girl. I really didn't like it either. And I, as reading, it, like I, I was frustrated by it. And it wasn't until this morning when Django was like, I was pretty frustrated by the accent. I was like, right, there was a line, there was like a bubble in there that really pissed me off, and then I had to go through the entire comic twice because I couldn't find it before the podcast, but near the end of the issue, for no reason at all, there is no point in the book where like background text and background conversations are used. There's just this one panel where Domino is talking to one of her friends, and in the background you hear her southern friend saying to Deadpool, don't call me that, Wade, I don't cotton to it. And it's like, us, oh, right, so you just wanted to use the term cotton to it because that rate rose to prevalence in the 1600s after cotton became a, a prominent export in America, and <laughs> cottoning things together was a way of uh, referring positively to things meshing. I looked up the etymology of the term. Did you so, really? Yeah, I was like, this is fucking stupid. Why did you use this? Like, I saying, have, um, That's how all Southerners talk. <laughs> do they say cotton to it no, still? Nobody. And do they throw a random panel? The only like time a, I've ever heard that is in, like, Movies with a southern character set in the south. Agreed. In the 1930s yeah, I was or 20s. Say, have you heard it in the last 70 <laughs> no, years? No. And also, why just throw this one off panel bubble out of nowhere where they haven't been doing that tactic at all other yeah. than to just write home, like, I'm yeah. southern? Like, yeah, and call back to me. the text page or text bubble or text panel earlier when caption where she says, don't call her crazy Inez or whatever. Yeah. All of that said, I'd give this a seven and a half. I'd give it an eight point five. I actually liked it. Uh, yeah. I have. I absolutely <laughs> have my. Fuck, I, I absolutely have my complaints about it, um, but I liked it a lot more than I thought that I would. I gave it a six point five. I, I thought I liked it more than you guys. I, I think I it's. I think it's a good comic that I, that I had some problems with. Like, yeah, for sure. There's. Yeah. And I, I more clearly understand my problems with a book the more that I like it. Like the mm-hmm. the more I'm able to be like, oh, I liked all of this except for this one part. And this is this is why it doesn't fit to me. So, um, I feel like I yeah I didn't love the domino. I loved that. Is it like a reference to Cherry Bomb? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It basically turns this issue into the Suicide Squad movie. And I really didn't like. I think you mean Guardians of the Galaxy. Any of that. So, I I really do I do like like you know sexy awesome nerdy kind of dumb party girl. Because I relate to that character. Like, oh, I drink too much, and I do, unfortunately, party too much. Not that I'm a party guy. I'm not. I'm an introverted shy boy also, which is how this person sort of... I, I love the conflict between somebody who wants to go home and go to bed with their dog, and also, like, I guess I do party. I like that characterization of this person. We party. Ten points to the house of whoever listens to this podcast and gets a domino tattoo over their eye. <laughs> or if you just come into the store with it painted over your eye, I'll give you free. I'll give you twenty dollars for you credit. You can't get a tattoo like on your eyelid. Whoa! Yeah, I just did that. <laughs> Buck boys. Buck. Oh, no. I didn't. Buck Wild. Sherman, did I get a domino number for you? I don't know. Did you? Did 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 you? Domino. Domino. I know that's that's another song. I'll go to seven. I'll read the next one. 
I don't like pugs, but I'll read it anyway. You don't. Whoa, I whoa, whoa! I don't. Whoa. Under, I don't understand Wait, why people. Brayden, do you like pugs? <laughs> I love. Pugs. I mean, I don't have my pug. grandma and grandpa grew up. Well, they. I grew up with them having three pugs: See? Max, Leroy, and Jigger, and they were the best dogs. And I love them forever. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I should qualify that. I don't dislike their personalities or anything, and dogs are great. I just don't understand why people think they're cute. Because they're, <laughs> they're fucking they're adorable. adorable. Yeah. They've got their little smashed-in faces. Brandon, and... I would have assumed that you were just like Django and that like you could take or leave a pug. No, I, Or an animal in general. I can't leave a pug behind. No pug um, behind. <laughs> all right, well, Django, I got a minute and 30 on the clock for you. Oh, my gosh. Well, I only read one comic. Uh, I love when you do this. <laughs> in addition to the comics that we're already talking about. So it's, it's The Dead Hand. I almost read it right after I read Crude, which... So I saw The Death of Stalin, and then I went to the red light, and I read Crude, and then I was like, cool, I'm going to read The Dead Hand. And I opened it up, and there's a big old picture of Russia there. And I was like, <laughs> this is this is going to be three bits of media in a row, and I'm just going to get everything confused. It's going to be a long four years. Um, so I waited until today, and uh, I read it today, and I really kind of dug this. It's small town, like, uh, dude becomes a superhero, uh, like, spy, Set in kind of the real world and eventually retires after kind of becoming dis disenfranchised with the, the American spy things that they're making him do. And he ends up in a small American town um, as the sheriff. And by the end of the issue, you uh, find out that there's more than meets the eye to this small American town. In fact, the main thing that, meets, that doesn't meet the eye They've got is, no internet. They've got no internet. Also, it's in Russia. So, like, it's this little 50s-feeling American, like, I'm pretty sure they just took that building out of the middle of a Wyoming town and drew it on on, on this panel. And uh, I really like the mystery that's set up. I really like the character design of the superhero that he was. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I, uh, I'll read the next one. I thought it was a pretty wacky costume design. Oh, yeah, totally wacky. I really like that song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give that uh, seven and a half, and... Uh, Gosh, I, I miss the days of alien sci-fi. This this could have been alien sci-fi. It doesn't have to be Russian spies. Jeff, go. Um, I read Oblivion Song number two. I'm going to try and stick this thing out reading at issues instead of the first paperback like you guys did, just to sort of be uh, checking in on the podcast about it. Because I do mm. think that it's going to be a good series, and I am interested in how the monthly story of it compares to the weekly story, so, or the all-in-one, so I would love follow-up from you guys after this about that but um i like the art in this it's real smooth and fluid uh my one complaint is that he's using a lot of like really generic boring names so it's kind of hard to keep the characters straight you got like nathan's and gabriel's and everybody's sort of like talking to each other benjamin um nathan i don't like nathan's i think unless you're a nathan listener um, so, so that became a little bit confusing. I just don't really know him super, super well yet, but uh, I'm really interested in it. They introduced a person at the end of the second issue, and apparently it's going to be a big deal. I just think that this is going to go a really interesting direction that I don't know, and uh, that was what I liked about the first issue, and I got that feeling even more from the second one. So I like that quite a bit. Also, X-Men Red number three, love me some Cassandra Nova. Um, Tom Taylor's doing a really good job of writing a scary version of Cassandra Nova that Grant Morrison made, and she's awesome. Also, this issue made me very fond of Honey Badger. Between All New Wolverine last week and what she's done in these two issues, I really like that character who I was on the fence about. 
Um, very, very good stuff. Uh, accidental death of person. Gambit's going to get in trouble. <clears throat> I give Oblivion Song number two and eight. It's just a damn fine comic. Um, and then X-Men Red number three, I give a 7.5. Good. Still staying up there. Liking it. Want to read more. What did you guys think of... I don't want spoilers for Oblivion Song, but... Um, gosh. You guys, just in general? Yeah. Like, you know, how, how did you feel about that story, having read five or six issues up front? I'm also, like... Reading it monthly is making me more excited to read it. I finished this one. I was like, I really want to read that paperback, but I kind of wanted to keep trying to do it monthly. I would mm -hmm. keep doing it how you are. I, the thing about Kirkman's storytelling is that he, he creates great cliffhangers, but when you're reading them in a collection, you don't necessarily even notice they're cliffhangers because mm -hmm. you can resolve them so quickly. Right. And they usually end up either just being the middle of an action set piece or something that is kind of a red herring cliffhanger. Like the, the last two issues of Walking Dead had the most bullshit yeah. milk toast resolution to a... Something that should have been crazy. Um, I like milk and toast quite a bit, and I don't like that as a derogatory term. Uh, milk it's, toast is a separate thing in and of itself. It's a bug. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I'll, I'll, I'll find it right now when you guys are talking. It's got a Q. It's one of my favorite words. Milk toast is a bug. Um, no, it's not a bug. I was just making shit up then, but <laughs> it's not milk and toast. Uh, I, I think reading, reading Oblivion Song in issues is probably going to be more rewarding than reading it, at least in the, in the collection that we read. Mm -hmm. that's, um, that's my thought yeah and I'm, I'm flipping through it now and like I can pretty much recall everything that happened just by like glancing at a page like it's yeah. all it's all pretty vivid and I'm I, it's 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 good I yeah I don't want to say too much about it I, I don't cool. think it'll stray quite as far by the end of this first arc as some people might hope but I think it builds to a pretty satisfying point that yeah yeah I, you know Walking Dead at 48 issues in is a much different <clears throat> series than at five issues in. Sure. Um, milk toast is a breakfast food consisting of toasted bread in warm milk, typically with sugar and butter, salt, pepper, paprika, cinnamon, cocoa, raisins, and other ingredients may be added. It's like uh, bread pudding almost in a certain regard. Oh, I take it back then. Yeah, it sounds all right. It is the same thing. It's, it's, I mean, it's not milk. In, it, the, the milk is like a thick, sweet you know, topping on top what, of like, like raw French toast. If I showed you the picture, it would make sense. I love French toast. Well, what's the def? Oh, the definition yeah. for it is one word with a Q, meaning uh, like a, a lame. There's no Q um, in um, yeah, like like kind of vanilla. The, yeah, a lame, yeah, ineffectual person. I know that. I don't know why. Milk toast gets such a bad rap because of that. I'll tell you why. Milk toast was a popular food throughout the late 19th and early 20th centuries, especially for young children and for the convalescent, mm. for whom the food was thought to be soothing and easy to digest. So I think yeah. easy digest uh, is an important part. Mm. Although not as popular in the 2000s, milk toast is still considered a comfort food. So, <laughs> wow. <know>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by people the convalescent. The, <laughs> the convalescent. Hey, um, Brayden, all of that milk toast has got me real hungry for what your bookity bee is. Um, it's it's you know, there's a lot of book this week. I read Planet of the Apes Ursus. It was very good. It's still good, and I'm sure it's gonna still be good. Monkeys. I love it. I ordered an Ursus enamel pin today. Yay! So, suck that. Um, <laughs> Dodge City Two is still pretty fun. Um, I think the the plotting is still a little wonky. Like it's kind of hard to follow sometimes. But I'm liking all the characters and I'm liking what they're doing. So Dodge City, pretty fun. Star Wars Thrawn was very political, this issue. Not a whole lot of, like, action-y stuff happened, but I still liked it for some reason, even though, like, this had Thrawn the least in it, even. But 
boy. He's so spooky, and I love him. Sonic the Hedgehog number two. This one has Amy Rose. She's got a big hammer, and whenever she hits people with it, it says, like, Binko or Pico or something for some reason. Pico. I don't know why it does that, but fuck it. It was cool. <laughs> uh, Sleepless was very good. I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on what's going on at this point, Yay. and uh, it's, it's, it's just good. I love it. I'm a sleepy guy in there. I also read X-Men number two. X-Men Red number two, and I think this is the best X-Men book coming out right now. Uh, Mahmoud Azrar does the art, and he draws some fantastic Sentinels in this. And at the end, it looks like the Sentinel gets set by lightning, by storm, and I just hope he survives to be a member of this team. The what end. the fuck? Did you just do six <laughs> Buckshot books and not sweat and come in under time? Mm-hmm. I'm did. hoarse by the time I'm done with that. <laughs> Wow. Um, glad Dang. that Sonic was going well. Just flipped through it. That was a lot of Pico in that. You got numbers? Uh, X-Men number red. Mm, 8.5. <laughs> uh, Sonic number hedgehog. I give a 7 out of 10. Sleepless, 8. Thrawn, 7.5. Dodge City, 6.75. Planet of the Apes Ursus, 8.5. Detective Comics, that's is late. coming up next. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't actually buckshot that one. Dang! I gotta follow Braden, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna go the opposite direction and do like two books. Nice. So there. Okay. Quantity, quality. We're all both concepts. Your time's going. Buddy. Oh, oh, he didn't say start. <laughs> <laughs> Robocop: Citizens Arrest Number One by Brian Wood and some other folks. This was awesome. I, I'll give this a ten. Um, oh. It. Perfect follow-up to the first original best RoboCop movie. Um, set in the future, Alex Murphy's in this, but he's powerless. Uh, one of the coolest things, they have this RCOP app that everybody has on their phones. You can report a crime, or if you, you're, you're stalking somebody and you think they're up to something, you can report, follow this person. Can you report stalkers? Can you report Brian Wood? <laughs> you can, you can. Um, and there's these... Toned down RoboCops are really tall, stop, wandering around the streets, and they'll just pull somebody over because you got reported on for doing something, supposedly, and they'll start thrashing you. Um, so everybody's got these apps, and you have to pay money to report on somebody, but if your report ends up in arrest or something, a real crime, you get money put back into your account. So everybody's addicted to this thing because it's like this game that is killing people. Uh, it, has, it has the newscasters, the vapid newscasters, all the stuff you want out of RoboCop. Good fun. Brothers Dracul, number one. This is a great vampire Dracula book, him and his brother, before he became Dracula, uh, 14th century, bloody stuff, nothing glittery or Twilight vampires, just good old-fashioned, gross vampires. Got a problem with Twilight vampires? I do. And I'll give that an eight. No, seven. Seven. Roman, we went and saw RoboCop, the 2014 thing, together. We did? Wait, what? The remake? Yeah, yeah. The re- Are What's you sure? Birthday? Wait, we... We saw it for your birthday, I think. Did we? I think that we did. I do. I, yeah, that. I told somebody today I didn't see that movie, but one of the customers. But yeah, you're right. I did see that. It we, came out February 12th, which is like around your birthday, Yeah, right? my birthday's the 11th. Yeah, I think we went and saw RoboCop, the remake, wow. for your birthday, because you were like super jacked about it. So I've never seen any RoboCop movies. That's right, that we did, because I do remember telling Chris Clow about it later, like the next day. 
because he's a huge RoboCop fan. So you made me want to watch some RoboCop number one in there. You also came over to my house last night and told all of my roommates that I haven't seen RoboCop. I have to watch. <laughs> yeah, and then Sean, Sean, one of his roommates who used to run a video store, was like, "Wait, we're watching RoboCop." Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I will. I want to say this about RoboCop. I'd buy that for a dollar. Woo! Oh, but would you will... buy it for three ninety nine? No. Did you read it? No. You should. You'll like it. I don't want to. What about the you like RoboCop? Dra- you like this? Um, that was a, I made a RoboCop reference. The, bro- the brothers Dracul? Dracul? Dracul. Dracul. One to ten means Dracul. Uh, seven. Nice. I'll read, you just uh, gave it a 6.5 a second. Ago. I gave it an eight originally, and then I backed up because it was like, it wasn't great, but you know, I'll read the next one. If there were a little more Twilight, I might give and it look at that. Look at that two-page spread there. That's nice. In the snow, that impaled like bodies, you know, all sorts of gruesome stuff. Castle in the background. Frank? So listen, you guys, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I was pretty audibly uh, hounding Detective Comics for being a really, really awesome book. Like, I heard it. Awesomely written book for the last, like, two months. I know Braden's been real hyped on it. Um, and... Um, this issue was the first time where I've thought that the art actually balanced the story in an appropriate way. Uh, it, it became very clear to me in this issue that the colorist is the person who does all of Patrick Leeson's art. Mm. Um, and I think that that helps. But he's been doing it for the last couple issues. But anyway, there were just some full pages where I stopped and was like, damn, that's a nice picture. Yeah. Um, Batman and, walking up to the cane. Yep, that was one. Like, that was, um, even before that, just him standing with like right here on the first page looks great. Uh, this double page spread of fighting sequences. There's a, there's a scene of him just in the cave with his arms crossed right here with Batwoman. Like, there, there's just some art in here where it doesn't feel mm. like the only reason it's there is to be the house for story boxes. Um, you got this double page spread of the OMAC eye. Um, and I yeah, think that cool. is super awesome. Roman, did you read this? I did read this. Can you, can we talk about OMAC and in, infinite crisis? And OMAC is my favorite character that I don't know very much about. At all. He's a never read creation, but at some point with brother, Eye, like, and like the tower of Babel and Kurt Busick and like that era of stuff, I feel like OMAC was sort of redefined. It was, because Kirby's was one dude, the one-man army corps. Yeah. It was supposed to be a, more of them created. And, and I love There him. weren't. Yeah, and he had Brother Eye that was a satellite that kind of channeled the power into Buddy Blank to turn him into, like, basically a superhero with a huge mohawk. But then that stuff that you were mentioning that he became Brother Eye became something that I think Batman created like as a, a monitor Yeah, a monitoring system. No, Batman created him yeah. during... Um, yeah, originally. The, okay. The like countdown to something? Zero hour or infinite crisis? It wasn't zero hours. It was uh, infinite crisis. Batman created Brother Eye, and that was kind of... Um, Brother Eye, I think, got taken over by Max Lord, and that's when yeah. Blue Beetle tracked down Max Lord, and Max shot him in the, in the head, and then eventually Wonder Woman Killed broke him. Max's yeah. neck. So, like... The OMAC in the modern comics, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with it now, but in, in the modernish comics has been like a Batman spy creation. Like, pretty fucking sketchy shit that Batman did. And I don't that. like that very much. I much prefer like Kirby, yeah, OMAC. Me too. I just, I feel like the art was at caliber and I feel like this was uh, an, like a, a top tier book starting here. I, I have a question. Yeah. Um, Tim Drake has like crutches. Yeah. At, at the start, and then it flashes back to the fight, and he doesn't have them. And then afterwards, he does. And then afterwards, again, he doesn't. And I don't know what that was. 
I was hoping you might know, but... I don't. I can only imagine that, like, he got injured during the fight and had to have crutches for a little bit. There are components of this story that are, like, boring me. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's telling a really wide story with a lot of characters, and the byproduct of that is that there are some character stories I don't really care much about. One of them is, like, the the Tim Drake character who shaped, like, like... Sorry, who shows him the future from the other world, who shaves his head in this one, who, like, that whole that's, thing. That's not Tim Drake from the future. No, no, I know, but it, he's the one who shows Tim Drake that yeah. alternate history line. Sure, yeah. And I don't really care about him or what's going on there. Um, I actually don't really care about any of the Batwoman, that whole airship portion. What I am just interested in is, like, the, the social dynamics at play with the Bat family that he's set up. I think, yeah, more of that stuff uh, evokes more care the more you read from the rest of the series and the more you engage in that. Yeah. yeah. Some of these panels look like Riley Rossimo to me. Like, Mm. like Lee Weeks by way of Rossimo. Um, That's all. I didn't read the issue. Yeah, I could see that. I love that shot of Batman walking up to the house. It's a good page. Because it's, Batman is the light part. Usually he's the dark part of things. Mm -hmm. And in that shot, because of the way the headlights are, he's the brightest thing Mm -hmm. on the... Yeah. On the panel. Did you see the last page? That is yeah. cool. So why do you leave the, the lights on on the Batmobile? So they know he's there. So we could have a cool <laughs> shot of him walking up to a house. So I give it an 8. It wasn't my favorite issue of the series, but it was the first time that I felt like the art was the strong point over the writing. God, there's so many ads. There we go. Do you think they're going to... Jimmy TIV's leaving soon. Yep. This, uh-huh. th- this last panel looks like you should buckle up for a lot more issues. Mm. Or you should get buckled up for this shit to end. Yeah. we got a big thing to, about to be resolved. Listen, sure. you should all just wear your seatbelt. Just that always. Wear the seatbelt. Anybody? It scores? Anybody? I give it an 8. Um, 8.5. I think the the art shown pretty well in this issue. And it doesn't always. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty invested in, in my boy Jim's work on this book. Who's drawn it? Javier that Fernandez? is Javier Fernandez. Eddie Burrows has been doing the bulk of the series, and he does some pretty cool stuff with art, but I think, like, in terms of the whole issue's like art... Consistency. Yeah, consistency. I think that this is better than Eddie Burrows' stuff. I'll give it a... I'll give it a... I'll also give it an 8. Or no, you get an 8.5. I'll give it an 8. Because, yeah, I don't really care about Batwoman and the Colony and all that, but the social dynamics... And it's funny, the two least important members of the Bat family deserted with her and I'm like eh okay so what yeah <laughs> is that Black Panther on the cover <laughs> it's Bat Panther it's Bat, Batwing it's Batwing oh, oh it's yeah Batwing? that's what I meant this is Fox's uh, son, and Azrael okay he, that, his helmet there looks a lot like Black Panther's helmet well they just put a Black Panther movie out trying to get a little so Django I know that you were just chomping at the bit to talk about the end of this Thanos run that we've all loved but you've sort of been the arbiter of you've been sort of like looking you've been sort of the watcher of this series can I just get your read on the series as a whole and then what did you think of the end of this big Buckwild adventure I know you've loved Uh, you know I I was a really big fan of the cover of number three and the cover of number was it five or seven even though it was basically just so this is issue five or six and it's the end no this is issue 18 but he started at 13. Oh, I was talking about the Jeff Lemire part. Okay. That's so the only part that I was interested in. Six issues. Six issues this whole run. Creating That's this it? Fanfare, yeah. Oh, And now he's shit. done. Although there's going to be an annual. Hmm. Yeah. Is this death? Yeah. Yep. And death. she is beautiful and sassy and seems to be the same as... Uh, uh, DC Sandman's Vertigo death? death? No, I was going to say uh, God from Dogma. 
Alanis Morissette oh. as God. From oh yeah, Broadway, I can see that too. Of, like her silent, like her face and the way her hands work. Oh. And... Oh. So, <laughs> what did you boys who read this think think of this whole thing? I, I didn't actually read it. I know, Django. I was giving you I a gentle, love. friendly ribbing. <laughs> I was giving you the nice ribbing. I loved it, though. It was kind of jarring for me seeing for the first time ever that I can think of Marvel's personification of death acting like Vertigo's personification mm-hmm. of death. Because usually the Marvel death, she doesn't do anything. Yeah, she's she's emotionless and stone faced, or sometimes skull faced, and she's not sassy or cute. So is she acting like Vertigo's death, or is she acting like a combination of Vertigo? Like she looks like Vertigo's death, but from what I just looked through, it, it seems like she's acting like Delirium, kind of like a little oh, bit right, goofier delirium. than death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. I don't read those books, which is. Because you don't sophisticated like, way you don't of like saying I haven't read those books. You don't like Christian Bale? Uh, oh, you! God damn it, Braden! Um, <laughs> so quick. I don't read Sandman because I don't like Christian Bale, and it's uh, fair. It is fair. Um, Predictable. I I did like this characterization char- characterization of death. Um, <clears throat> and uh, what I was going to say was, I, it felt more like the sort of. The construct of death, or the idea of death, that that's like, it's this, it doesn't speak. It's not a thing, like, I like that they did personify it, but at the same time, it's not really much of a personality. In, the, in that, it's not much more than, like, you know, uh, the emblem in World War II when bomber pilots would have that Joker card on their, like, flying planes. Like, it's mm. it's just, like, it's this haunting never attainable specter at the end of a tunnel like it, it's it's death you can't ever get to it death like that's what I, I don't i haven't read infinity gauntlet i don't know how well they characterize the idea of being in love with the concept of death but i think that it is such a brilliant concept to make this incredibly powerful thing in love with this unattainable thing like you're in love with death so you're trying to kill everything to please it but death is this thing that everybody has a relationship with, but it's an unattainable relationship because you only reach it once you're no longer yourself or you're no longer a thing that can have a relationship. So it's it's like this thing that taunts, and that's sort of why she's taunting in all of this, is that like she is taunting Thanos, and Thanos' Tanus is like pursuing it. And I, I really, I think that that is an incredibly poetic story element, and I don't know how much that's a part of like Starlin's uh, Infinity Gauntlet, but... I think that him being the mad titan and being obsessed with this, like, why is a bad guy so murderous? Like, never, no one ever really knows why. But the metaphorical idea of being in love with death answers that question um, in a, you know, in some regard. It, love isn't the way to, to talk about that, but it's an, it's an amazing way to distill that concept down to a, a comic book. Like, fuck, that is good. Starlin did some good shit there. That is... That is a story element that I keep mining more and more out of, and this particular six-issue story really allowed me to pull meaning out of that, and I think that even this characterization does that. Like, it's a person, but beyond that, it's a construct. It's this unattainable person. It's like a a 14-year-old wanting to be famous who's, like, trying to be famous, but you don't really know what that is or why you're doing it or what you're... But at some point, an idea obsesses... Uh, becomes an obsession in a life, and like fuck, that's good. Yeah, that's... I, c- I could swear there's some stuff in Starlin's issues where Thanos would see death as a beautiful woman. Everybody else would see her just as a skeletal robed figure, mm-hmm. 
and he would see that. And I, and I liked in this series how by having young Thanos come forward in time to fight his old self, it kind of in some ways addressed the point. It's like, well, Thanos loves death so much and wants to be with death. Why didn't he just kill himself a long time ago? And this kind of gets into that in an oblique, an oblique way. Well, because it's like, yeah, it's like he wants to be with death and is living life. So he thinks that he has to kill things to get death, yeah. like create death. But no, he's trying to find death. The only way you can find death is to die yourself. So it's it's mistaking. It's it's very like Eastern philosophy. It's like don't mistake the destination for the journey because mm. the journey itself is the destination. You know, like don't mistake the fact of living a happy life by being getting to a goal. A happy life is being happy as you're moving and then you die. Like that it's it is very Eastern philosophy to me. But Starlin was super into psychedelic drugs and shit, so it makes sense. That's pretty interesting and very profound. Has Thanos always had eye lasers? <laughs> <laughs> and also just the way that like Thanos so. <laughs> is this all-powerful being. He wants to murder everything. He also has these insecurities and these weaknesses. So the way that he says, like, he's he's more at home killing, like, fighting himself than anything else, like, that is another really profound statement. And, like, and he sees those insecurities and weaknesses, like, in his future self, and he's yeah. like, no, wait, I'm not doing this. I gotta not be like this when I get to this age like and that was like in issue two i remember we had ty on the podcast and that was the thing that i really loved about this is it's old thanos talking to young thanos and to me like nothing makes me more furious than the people i feel exactly the same as who do things a little bit differently because mm. like when you're the same as somebody all you're able to see are the differences mm. and that's really what's going on here you have this huge friction built by like the sandpaper of they're the same person but, except for like yeah. this several hundred years or thousands of years or whatever that changes that person. So, uh, you know, I, 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 it's fucking good. I, I am so annoyed that this book is so sought after and it's so valuable and has gone up as such a speculator thing because it doesn't seem related to the quality of the story at all, which has been so well done. Who's, uh, whose first appearance is in this one? Death? <laughs> <laughs> like cosmic death? Personified death? Really? I mean, she's been around no. before, but. Yeah, she's been it's, around. It's, there's, it's no, the, there's no first. I'm it's not, the appearance, not going up. It's now. the appearance no. of the idea that young Thanos steals the Infinity Gym that allowed for time travel, and he strands old Thanos. The old Thanos just wants to have young Thanos kill him, but his pride says that only Thanos can kill him, so he recruits his young self to do it. And then young Thanos is like, You're pathetic. I don't ever want to become you. I'm taking this time gym and I'm leaving, and you're trapped in this pathetic, lifeless eternity forever. And I'm only going to come back here once I'm certain that I'm never going to become you. And that's fucking cool. I just talked for like eight minutes. I'm sorry, everybody, but I it's really like it. It's the this. first appearance of old Thanos' gut. <laughs> <laughs> and Thanos' eyelids, apparently. Um, I think he's had that before, maybe. Sure, says you. Yeah, <laughs> when he when he was dark side. Oh yeah. I, man, it's almost a point of pride at this point. I may never read this series. <laughs> it's yeah. very. Good. You better not read an Infinity Countdown either, because he says pay attention to Infinity Countdown. You don't have to worry about that. And the annual, <laughs> and the Thanos annual is coming up too. I won't be. <laughs> Thanos, Thanos annual. Thanos is a bunch yes. of different writers and artists just telling stories, apparently from, like where the beginning of his Thanos run alludes to to now. So, so it's just, gonna be all that Herald of Galactus kind of shit? It's only supposed to be stories about Thanos doing the most horrible shit that he's ever done. So it's supposed to be oh. like the most depraved Thanos anthology ever. I think yeah, Thanos yeah. has a crush on the devil. 
not on death because he's such a dick. No, Debo he's, he's and pretty Debo? mean to Mephisto, I think. I don't think they get along super yeah. well. The real Debo. That's what I mean. The real Debo. Owen Mole. <laughs> wow. It's been 50 episodes, Justin, and we're still referencing your little stupid jokes on, you know, episode 20 or whatever. More like his spot-on impersonations. Of the Debo. Wait. That was... That was Justin? I thought Alan Moore was here. He's always here a little bit. I give Thanos number 18 a 9, and I give the overall series a 9. I think that this is this is going to be awesome, and I... I think that like when Infinity War comes out, I would rather give people this paperback than like Infinity Gauntlet. Mm, yeah, mm, personally, we got to stock up on all that. I think I give this issue an eight. I give the series an eight point five. I really like the Silver Surfer, Galactus, and time stuff that was going on more than Thanos himself. But Thanos is very cool. Very mm. purple and pink too. I think I'll give the series a 10. I'll give this issue a, an 8.5. Roman likes comics. I do. I do, too. I like cosmic comics. I also would All like right. to give a collective uh, group <laughs> vote on Justin. I personally give him a 10. What do you guys give him? Oh, yeah, at least. At least a 10? 10. 10.5. Oh. 6.9. 6.9 <laughs> from Braden only because he wants to give him a 6.9, if you know what I mean. I'll give him a 10. We all do. I'll give him a 10 squared. Whoa. I'm going to keep it a mystery. He's got to come back to find out. I'll whisper it in his ear. It's going to be like a Thor situation. Phil can't put a question mark into the spreadsheet. Yeah, Phil's got to keep track of these. Justin, from all of us, I give him a 10. You give him a 9.5, Braden. Roman gives him a 10. I love you. Justin, Jen gives you a 10. He's just too proud to say it. He's had a tough week himself, so everybody's, everybody's getting through it. Um... You guys, it's one minute past when we wanted to be done, so we are on. Oh my gosh! On the we're on borrowed. Time. Call us. Look up the number and call us. One six one nine seven. Fuck. Phil, <laughs> call us. Yeah, Phil, we've talked a big game. You better call us. I know for a fact. A Phil fact that you've been on the radio before. What? I know Phil. I know Phil's had his voice out there on the on the light waves. On the FM. Yeah. And uh, I want to hear it again on the podcast waves. I cannot remember our phone number. Doesn't matter. You can Google it. <laughs> That's not a try. very helpful podcast tip. But one six one nine six six three seven three three six three. Thank you. I couldn't oh, remember that. Oh, that was no help. One six one nine six six three seven three three six. We love all of you. Give us a call, please. We just keep saying that. Tell your friends. Tell your moms. Tell you. Uh, don't. Don't tell our moms. Tell your dad. Tell your dad. I keep trying um, to get my mom to listen to this. She's like, yeah, you're friends, and you sure do talk a lot about a thing I don't give a fuck about. I showed it to my mom. I don't know if she's listening to it, though. I don't think she's um, I'm Jeff, and that's my name. I gotta pee. <laughs> I'm Django. I already peed. Yeah. It was thunderous. It's frothy. Thunder. Too, I'm a Romocop. Fuck you. Did you say Romocop? Yeah. That was fucking good. Brayden, you can probably just like drop the mic. I'm I'm Brayden. I I have to pee, so no jokes for you. (laughs) He likes monkeys. Romocop. Jesus. He likes monkeys too. All right.